Hello, everyone, and welcome to our very first podcast. My name is Sonja Pöyru, and I'm the comms officer at BaseN. Today, I sit down with our CEO, Mr. Pasi Huri, and walk him through some frequently asked questions around digitalization, digital twins, and the transformation from products to services, which is paving the way to the future for many companies across industries right now. So, Pasi, let's start right away with the first question. My perception is that the interpretation of the term digitalization varies quite a bit. Different businesses and different people have different ideas what it entails. So, your point of view, what does digitalization mean for businesses? So, digitalization by itself means that you have more digital services for, for your customers. You, you are interacting with the means of different uh, digital communications with the customer, either automatically or, or manually. But, but it means that you, you, know, you enrich your services uh, or your products uh, with, with some kind of automatic data processing. So this is uh, not a new concept. If we take, for instance, cars, we've had digital technologies in cars for the last 50 years. They have been just simpler, and now they become more and more complex. And many of the functions that were earlier done with hardware now done in software and digitalization is one of the ways to virtualize and make the physical things simpler and replace the kind of a higher level functions with, uh, with software uh, which is easier to maintain and update so that might give a short answer on what digitalization is but uh, as you say it can mean uh, different things for uh, different businesses What does digital transformation then mean for businesses? That is also a term that is used a lot right now. So from our perspective, the transformation is something that you reinvent your business. Uh, you, you either move your existing physical product into, into the digital domain completely or then significantly change your business model. So in order to earn the, the term transformation, I think that it's, it's not just something added on, but it's a new product or new service that you create with digital technologies. Is there actually a difference between the two concepts? I think that transformation is the method for a company to undergo in order to reinvent and create more sustainable products and, and services. Companies many times fail in their uh, digital projects, even though they have hired chief digital officers and created teams to add more digital features to existing products and services. Do you think it's common for companies to misunderstand these two concepts? They many times misunderstand that the digital transformation means that you don't just add some digital gadgets and fun to your existing things. You need to rethink your existing models also. Now, let's talk a bit about digital twins. Digital twins are not a new thing, but the broader adoption has only happened in the recent past. Could you elaborate some of the history of digital twins and where the industry is currently at what comes to utilizing digital twins? So the digital twin concept, it actually comes from the physical twin. And the earliest mention that I have seen comes from NASA 
when they were designing these space probes in the 60s, they needed to have a, a kind of a test environment for all the equipment. So they built a complete physical replica of any space probe that was sent to explore foreign planets and even interstellar space. But that was really expensive. So at some point when computers became more powerful going towards the 70s, NASA decided to, to create digital twins. So replacing some of the simple physical parts with just algorithms, which could be used for training people on the ground so that uh, all the eventualities that happen in space when the rocket has been sent there could be analyzed. It was primarily a simulation tool and also kind of a uh, helping the evolution of the whole solution. But right now, uh, many companies are looking at digital twins uh, as simulation tools and, and a kind of a support systems for existing physical products. Uh, and one of the notable examples is also the defense industry, where a digital twin was uh, extensively used by, by building the new fire planes and um, for instance the Mirage 2000 fire plane is known as the first modern fire plane that was designed almost completely digitally and, and there was a digital twin which was running locally on large computer and then uh, all, all the test results and the simulations were done with a kind of a defense budget type However, it took a long time before the digital twin thinking reached actually smaller and smaller products and kind of affordable products because these, these early examples had almost unlimited budgets because even a fighter plane costs ten, tens of millions each. So the, the digital infrastructure wasn't, uh, wasn't a cost issue. So now in 2021, what would you say is the current common understanding of digital twins? I think that the most common understanding is some kind of a 3D model and, uh, and a data repository of existing physical machine or a production line. So most of the purely industrial players, they think that digital twin is a kind of a database or data collection sync or uh, or a simulation uh, environments. When we now look at SPIMES, the next generation digital twins, what exactly makes them so next generation? So our SPIME approach has always emphasized that the, the SPIME is the primary object. So it's not a twin and that the physical side is the twin. So in the SPIME, environment, the, the design and production and, and the product itself starts from the spine and then physical components are built around when needed. So the biggest difference is what is actually the product that is sold to the customer. In a spine environment, it is the spine and then all the necessary add-ons are, are the physical components. As a follow-up question to tie this into the beginning of our conversation, how do SPIMES, the next generation digital twins, relate to digitalization and digital transformation? So the SPIME, which is the next generation 
digital twin, it is the foundation of any kind of product and service which starts from the digital domain and then, then include some uh, required physical components. It's a kind of a new paradigm of design also because you do the design on the spine before actually adding too much of physical aspects to your product. Many customers they are so ingrained in their existing physical products and market share and service models and supply chains that they, they think that they cannot uh, make this kind of drastic change to their design processes, but they actually can. They should start from the new R&D and new kind of products that can be sold to the existing trusted or customers who, who are trusting the company. This way, they can at the same time leverage new design solutions and at the same time build the product also to, uh, to new customers by recreating the company in a way into the digital domain. And this requires quite new kind of thinking. Uh, that's why we have separated spines from digital twins, because the spine is kind of the soul of anything that is, that is being sold or, or transacted. Could you actually walk us through an example comparing digital twins with spines? If we take an example, uh, for instance, with a simple product like a surveillance camera today, so many people buy surveillance cameras for their homes, for their industries, for their cottages, and usually those are very cumbersome to configure, and customers just buy the product, and then there is a very level of support from the manufacturer to, to get it up and running. But I haven't met anyone too pleased with the life cycle of the surveillance camera because they become obsolete pretty quickly because the protocols and the mobile applications and things like that, they, they become outdated uh, in, in a few years. And then it requires, again, the setup and configuration when, when someone buys a new camera and, and there is no migration path usually from, from the old repository to the new repository of the surveillance pictures. If we turn this completely around and the camera manufacturer would sell surveillance service, a kind of secure digital surveillance service, uh, which would first be established as only the digital entity and, and then The next step would be to define that what kind of physical cameras are required for that kind of service. And then they would be embedded to the service in a kind of a life cycle uh, thinking that they could be rented or sold to the customer. But the company would take the, the responsibility for making sure that the, the surveillance system always works and that images and videos are accessible to, to the people that the customer has defined and there are always latest security updates in, in all uh, the physical hardware that's delivered. Then eventually the, the customer would pay uh, by month or by half a year or whatever term for, for the ongoing service. And then it could be reduced or expanded based on the needs of the customer. So the key thing there is, is to maintain the customer's information reliably and securely 
and so that the customer can be sure that, that who has accessed the, the video feeds at, at what point and, and that the latest tools can be used. So it evolves together with the customers and new requirements at, at all times. That was a really interesting example. As a follow-up, I'd like to ask you what may be the first steps that manufacturers need to take to move from selling physical surveillance camera to selling surveillance camera services. The first and foremost thing is about leadership. So the manufacturer must create a new product that is taken seriously. So it's not just a kind of a testing add-on to the existing physical cameras that are being sold. So this requires training for the product management, for sales, for customer support. And most importantly, it requires executive sponsorship that this really is done so that it is not just kind of a tried out in a, in a small scale, because then there will be always resistance from the existing physical product-based sales and there will be internal competition so 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 we see this as as mostly a leadership issue and first step is to kind of uh, communicate to the whole company that you know that from now on we are we are also selling surveillance camera services and, and surveillance services and uh, gradually move away from being hardware centric and kind of moving just boxes to the customer. Some companies never achieve this and they will be merged to other companies who, who are more versatile. But the companies who, who do, they, they will have a brighter future and, uh, and kind of a sustainable uh, income for, for the years to come. Now I think this will be a question that many executives have when pondering a drastic digital transformation. How difficult is it for a company to venture into having spines for their products or services? And also, how costly? So the biggest challenge for any company venturing into having spine products or even digital twins is the attitude and culture change. Because you need to get rid of the fire and forget ideology and you need to Uh, be in constant contact with all of your customers all the time. And, and most production uh, and manufacturing companies are not used to that. So they, they have their existing life cycles and guarantee and warranty times. And when those run out, they kind of restart the sales cycle and they are at the mercy of the competition at that point. But that's a, a kind of accepted state of the affairs right now. But actually, it doesn't have to be, because if you really change your sales strategy and customer support strategy and analytics strategy on how much you, you really care and analyze your customers' requirements and, and, and how securely and privately you can do that, then you can move to, to complete spine service products. And it doesn't have to be costly. You can start uh, by just introducing some digital components for utilizing your existing products and just uh, change the domain service into, let's say, from uh, what could I take as, an, as a good example, selling a dishwasher. So you could change that into, into selling a life cycle service 
or dishwashing. And then you can gradually add all the detergents and the cleaning service and uh, even on, on-site visits. They don't have to be too digital or, let's say, gadget type of uh, things that are added, but, but you, can, you can use your existing service products that, that you have a service call and, or you have a, a remote diagnostics and then things like that. But the key thing is that you build all these new features around the spine, the next generation digital twin, uh, which is the product for the customer and which then evolves according to the customer requirements. Do you have any example of existing businesses that are moving away from the so-called fire and forget model towards being constantly in contact with their customers? And why do companies need to seriously consider this transformation right now? The easiest example is, for instance, Amazon, which started just from a web shop selling books to uh, individual customers and in a fire and forget model. So you order a book and you got the book and that's it. However, the, the kind of a difference in, in Amazon is that they, they started to analyze the information and the customer profiles. So they, they quickly came up with a recommendation model. They started uh, showing different content to customers based on their purchases and based on their search history. So in a way, uh, whenever you access the Amazon website, they, they are in, in, in intricate contact with you. They analyze you and they, they try to serve you better and then try to sell you different uh, products based on the vast amount of information they collect. And technically, any bookstore could have done this, but Amazon just had the leadership to, to make it happen. There are some other examples who are partly successful. We, we have seen, for instance, Kone, the elevator manufacturer, more than 50% of their revenue is already coming from service contracts for maintaining the elevators indefinitely, sometimes in at their customers. However, there is still the struggle going on in many manufacturing companies because the, uh, the manufacturing side is so established and, and the sales channels are so established. It's not so easy to bring a completely new model to this sales roster. But these newer type of companies like Uber or Airbnb, those are extreme examples because they don't have any physical product. They, they have only the virtual products, but many lessons can be taken from, from the likes of Uber. Especially with Uber, it is interesting that, that even though uh, they had all uh, the capabilities and that they had all the funding, they really didn't uh, utilize the information as much as, for instance, Amazon has done, even though they could. And, and I believe that that's because they grew so fast that they actually hired uh, the earlier generation people who, who just couldn't get their head around the new kind of uh, fire and remember business model. With the Internet of Things, digital twins and digitalization, you do read a lot about privacy and security concerns, and I think that's well understandable. What be your number one advice for companies, what they should do to ensure the privacy and security of their customers' data? Well, naturally, wherever the customer's spine and the customer data is stored, it has to be continuously maintained and monitored. 
So the processes are not enough. So there needs to be also kind of proactive monitoring and penetration testing to, to the solutions. This is also something that, I mean, that many customers don't think as a production problem, but they think it as a kind of IT support problem. But it's, it's about production. As we have seen, even oil pipelines have been shut down from cyber attacks. Most of the companies producing physical products right now, they are at risk, but they haven't just been on the uh, very high on the hackers list. And then hence, they have they've been able to uh, continue fairly vulnerable uh, business. But eventually, uh, hacking also becomes cheaper. But they, they, they will have to get their acts together. And what comes to privacy, the, the European Union GDPR laws are, are fairly good framework for ensuring that where the data is stored and how it's used and what are the obligations for answering customers' requests when they ask about wh- how their data is being processed and who is processing it and in which country. And companies should definitely uh, make themselves aware of these obligations because they take a lot of time if you don't have the processes in place to to actually provide the uh, uh, information that is mandated by law. Last but not least, I'd also like to venture a bit into Basin's history with SPIMES. How did Basin start out with SPIMES? Where does SPIME come from? And what exactly is it that we do with SPIMES or enable our customers to do with SPIMES? In about two 2003, we started designing a platform or kind of a, uh, redesigning our platform a little bit so that it could host different processes uh, from our customer environments so that the platform would be the repository of algorithms and which would be evolving all the time based on the measurement data that was collected at the time. And we realized that most of the IoT and machine-to-machine talk, it was kind of just about the communication and um, and kind of data storage. So uh, we thought that the algorithmic wisdom would be far more important. So we started to think that how how could we call this repository of of permanent digital entities? And and then we uh, ran into Bruce Sterling, who is a science fiction author, who had written a book about digitalization and the future ownership of things. And then he called this virtual thing as spine, which comes from uh, the words space and time. So it's a, it's a little bit like meme, uh, which is also a virtual object or virtual concept. It is a soul of, of anything uh, physical. So... Uh, in one of the IEEE conferences, we call the uh, spine the, the ephemeral soul of all things computing. And, and that can also be virtual things. So you, you could think of it as, as a virtual brain of any inanimate material. So in our company, Base N, we have very talented engineers who, who originally were building defense networks and radars and and large telecommunication systems and then we have a unique combination of talents for distributed computing and and all kinds of uh, remote management solutions and, and and therefore 
we started building our own platform for managing massive amounts of data and also managing customers' algorithms and, and programs within our infrastructure. So even in 2001, when PaySend was established, we were already a cloud provider, which was very new at the time. Uh, however, uh, we have evolved into a Spine platform provider where customers can actually uh, rely on us uh, when, when they deploy their next generation products, which are Spines. And we guarantee that those assets are as well maintain, maintained and, and cared for, for as any physical products. So, so we take digital environment very seriously. So we don't treat it as a kind of an, just an IT add-on, which can be done every now and then. For us, it's mission critical. And based on for the last six years, we have developed a spine platform where customers can deploy billions of uh, these digital entities and, and design their own products on, on top of our platforms and, and then expand them based on their uh, business requirements. And we see that, that this is clearly the next evolution from digital twins, from IoT, from M2M. And this is one of the areas where this proliferated telecommunications and connectivity opportunities where the costs are reducing all the time, they are finally bringing the market into kind of a fruition that where you can really transform even traditional company into a digital service provider and, and maximize the uh, capabilities that, that you have almost dormant in the company. There, there are many customers we, we have who we think that utilize only a small fraction of the, their own capabilities and especially uh, the capabilities of, of their customers and the customer relationships because they're following the old models. And also the mission-critical aspect of PaySen is present in all of our services. So that's why we have always redundant data centers, we have our own network, we have our own operating systems. So the buck stops at Baysen. So when, when someone builds a product on Baysen, we take it really seriously and maintain that. Uh, and we aim to have very long-term customer relationships. So we have been here for 20 years and we, we are not going to go away or, or end any of our services very quickly. Like, like the existing, some of the existing cloud providers are doing. So, so we are very much a bridge between the, the real business and, and digital twins and spines. All right. Thank you, Pasi, for the insights. And this concludes our first podcast. And I hope to see you all soon with the next episode. Mm-hmm.